Welcome to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to The Female Red Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today I'm talking with Nancy Wright. She is the Chief Executive Officer for Girl Scouts of Greater Chicago and Northwest Indiana. The council impacts the life of lives of more than 69,000 girls and nearly 25,000 adult members in 245 communities in Illinois and Indiana. Prior to joining the Girl Scouts, Wright served as president of Blue Plate Catering, which uh, and she was overseeing the operations of a significant multi-million dollar business that provides upscale uh, catering to corporations and institutions. She's led a varied career, but she was also uh, president of guest services at the Museum of Science and Industry, the largest science museum in the Western Hemisphere, which I love that museum. It's my favorite. And of course, she was a Girl Scout herself. So today we're talking to Nancy Wright. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you. I'm excited about this opportunity. Thank you. So just a question regarding the Girl Scouts, because maybe people that are listening, maybe they were Girl Scouts or maybe they have, you know, girls that they're thinking maybe they should become a Girl Scout. But in your estimation and all the work that you've done with the Girl Scouts, what's the best thing about being a Girl Scout? Um, I think it's the opportunity to interface with um, adults and other girls in a safe environment in which they can try new experiences that they may not have tried in other environments. And it's a very inclusive process. It's not like a sport where, you know, you go out for a sport and you may not be selected. Everybody is can be a Girl Scout. And um, you get a chance to try different things that they probably wouldn't have tried if they were in another environment of taking the risk to discover um, new experiences or something about themselves. Right, because I think the Girl Scouts have been around for so long, we all kind of know, oh, I I know what the Girl Scouts, you know, I I know what they do. But really, in essence, maybe some of us have forgotten about some of those leadership skills and things that, uh, and confidence building and and some of the things that that you alluded to. So that, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, so I think, Mary Beth, you're right. You know, many people think they know Girl Scouts because of our, um, you know, large cookie program, our camping, and some of the traditional approaches to Girl Scouting. And we, we joke internally that, you know, we're not your, girl, your grandmother's Girl Scouts. It's a, we've evolved as the world has evolved. And we are creating new, very um, important experiences for young women, especially, you know, uh, as they journey out to new opportunities, both personally and professionally. And so there are more uh, extensive programs available Uh, Besides the ones that I mentioned, there's things like uh, our STEM program, there's financial literacy, there's career building, all kinds of different activities uh, that they are exposed to to help build their portfolio of skills and develop their own confidence. So what led you to the Girl Scouts? I know you've had, you know, different positions in your career, um, but what led you to the Girl Scouts? Well, this is a real personal story for me. Um, About two years ago, Um, My father, who was 90 at the time, um, had suffered a stroke and um, was at the final stages of his life. And I had, uh, though, the the struggle of um, spending two weeks with him in hospice. um, And through that time, we had a a very deep conversation about life, I guess is the best way to put it. And he asked me, and, you know, um, through this course of the days, you know, he told me he was very proud of me because at that time I was um, running a multi-million dollar catering company, he said to me, Nancy, he said, one of the things I can share with you right now, 
I ask you, what is your legacy going to be when you're at this point in your life? And um, my parents always raised me that I could be whatever I wanted to be. My dad was a strapping 6'2", you know, um, World War II vet that, that flew 35 missions in World War II. And at that point, he was probably 115 pounds. And we, we talked a lot about what life was about. And he gave me a very important gift that, at that time. Um, you know, he asked me to rethink what I was going to be uh, giving back to the world before I left. Hmm. In the final days of his life, uh, I sat there and I actually contemplated what were the things I enjoyed most about the various careers that I had and where would I be able to contribute to making the world a better place. And I wrote down the different dimensions on the various jobs that I had that I enjoyed the most. And after that process, as I said goodbye to my father and we celebrated his life, during his memorial service, uh, the pastor actually asked people um, in the church to stand up and, and give memories of my father. And unbeknownst to me, there was a lot of um, stories about how he had helped people in different ways that my mother didn't even know about. That was a life-changing experience for me. And after that point, I actually stepped back and said, what will I give back? And I was sharing this story with somebody. Um, they said, you know, you had had a lot of success, but one of the things, the, the gift that your dad gave you by that conversation was it's not about success at the end of the day. It's about making, uh, it's about significance. What is the significance of your life? And I was very blessed. It, it took me a while, so I wrote down those priorities, and what I decided I wanted to do was go back to a nonprofit organization where I could utilize my interpersonal leadership skills to um, give back in some type of human services. And those were the objectives that I wrote down before my father's passing. Well, what a gift that he gave you and that you're now carrying on. I mean, really, what, what a gift. Yeah, and so when this opportunity, I thank you, um, this opportunity presented itself where I had the chance to invest in the future of young women and being a mother of two girls, I um, chose to take this opportunity and, and fortunately was given the opportunity to make a difference in um, the future and the hope of this world. Wow. Now, you, you talked about, you know, some of the programs within the Girl Scouts that I think where, where there's a lot of giving back that's happening. You know, there's this idea in, in, in not even just an idea, but there is this fact in the work world that in some cases, women don't reach the levels of leadership that they should. And there's some industries that they're not, uh, there's not gender equality. And you mentioned the STEM program. So talk a little bit about, about that and, and about you know, this gender diversity issue and, and what maybe the Girl Scouts are doing, you know, to kind of help change that. We're doing a lot of different things, um, trying to mentor girls um, and open new opportunities for them. And we're doing it both through formal programs as well as informal discussions. So let me give you a few examples. I mentioned our STEM program. We have um, a lot of different programs that are focused on science, technology, engineering, and math. And those programs are throughout our geographic footprint. They're as simple as um, one-dimensional programs that deal with specific topics to all the way, like, ran programs like our STEMapalooza, where we have hundreds of girls uh, attend. And we have different inspirational speakers and vendors that talk about STEM careers. So it's kind of a, a career day for um, girls to look at different STEM opportunities. And then we have other programs where we have adult mentors come in, um, like our camp CEO program. 
where there are business leaders and uh, female leaders in higher education, in the legal field, in the medical field, that come in and spend a week at camp with girls who have um, interviewed and chosen to spend a week with female leaders. And during that time, we do a variety of different activities from helping the girls develop their own personal brand. Uh, one of the scenarios we give them is that you're in the elevator with the dean of students for um, the college or university or trade school that you want to go to. And you have, you know, from the first floor to the eighth floor to convince them that you are the student um, to enroll in this program. Um, and what is your brand? And, and why do you want to be in this program? So we work through a lot of different dimensions. Um, but it, we bring together about 40 girls from uh, a variety of different communities. And one of the things that to me is the most inspirational part of Camp CEO is, is the transparent conversations that happen with our adult mentors to these young girls. And you will see them and hear them talk about the value that they receive from this experience. They'll talk about from when they got on the bus to go to Camp CEO, that they looked on the bus and they saw different faces that they may not have seen if they looked in the mirror uh, at themselves or in their community. So they're exposed to different girls from different walks of life. And they're exposed to mentors who talk about their successes and more importantly their failures as they climbed up the corporate ladder or became a doctor or became whatever their um, career is at the time. And those transparent conversations, the girls will say, you know what, adults have never talked about their failures to me like they talked about uh, during this time. Um, and, and so they ask questions and the, the adults are very transparent through those conversations. And they try new things and discover their own voice in this process. It gives them the confidence to continue to explore new opportunities as they evolve as an individual, personally and professionally. So those are a couple fun programs. Uh, we also have a LEGO robotics team. We started out with six. We have 18 LEGO robotics teams that are associated with our council right now, wow. um, and, and which is really exciting. Our teams are really dynamic and have done very well in competitions across the country. And another one I think is one of my favorites is uh, we had one of our board members by the name of Monica Weed who um, created a program called uh, Project Law Track. And what it does is she brought together the Women's Bar Association from Chicago uh, and asked them to help mentor young women who are interested in the legal field. And through that program, the girls are exposed to different career avenues for the legal uh, uh, profession. And a lot of people say, I want to be an attorney. But there are, as you know, a million different types of attorneys or ways to practice law. They're exposed to a variety of different avenues. And then it culminates and them going through a mock trial process where they actually participate in the Dirksen building and it is um, over with one of the honorable judges will um, preside and we have a full jury. And the parents get to come in and watch their children uh, participate in a mock trial. Wow. Well, and I love, you know, all these things that you're talking about, especially uh, the, the what is your personal brand. To be able to answer that, there's, you know, a, a lot of women that are, um, adult women that are in great positions and, and great careers that have sometimes trouble answering that 
question. What a great way of starting people thinking about, well, how are others going to perceive me? But all of the programs that you guys have, I had no idea. I had no idea. But you did mention, you know, that, that about this transparent conversations that um, women are having with, uh, with girls about things that have gone on in their careers. And so that leads me to this transparent conversation, which is to say, you know, in your career, in, in the movements that you've had, what perhaps was something that you maybe was a failure or a disappointment or something that you learned from? Actually, there was a situation early on when one of my first jobs, it was a life lesson for me, and it had to deal with um, uh, one of my uh, colleagues, which happened to be a a young woman, and I was in my early 20s, and I found, both found out that we had positions that were similar to the men doing the same job and found out that we were paid significantly less. And we decided to identify why we were doing the same exact job and actually, in some cases, doing more, and went to our supervisor and together and talked to that supervisor about how we didn't think that was fair. And it was interesting because within a year, both of us were no longer there. <laughs> but um, it was something that was an awareness that created, you know, it taught me the importance of identifying uh, something that to me was a value um, that was important to me for me to have my voice heard. It taught me the importance of understanding the culture and what is acceptable. And maybe looking back, I learned I probably could have done it a little differently and a little better, but um, for me, that probably wasn't a good cultural fit because of the discrepancy that I found as I became aware of the difference in the compensation. But it was a, a valuable learning experience for me about how to make sure it's important that you voice um, your opinion or and have your voice be heard, but you also want to make sure you're still at the table down the road in order to make the changes you want to see. So how do you navigate that balance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and the thing of it is, is that this is still going on. This this culture change hasn't completely uh, happened where, you know, women are, are earning the same as men. And, and in fact, I just read a study not too long ago that shared that if uh, women go to, M, you know, to an MBA program, uh, go to business school and, and get an advanced degree that they have the same goals that the men that are graduating do. And, you know, they want to be, you know, executives and they have big goals and all of that. Um, but what they found is after a few years after the MBA program, uh, after they graduated, that the men were making significantly more than the women. And, the women were not necessarily following the path that they wanted to follow, reaching those big goals. And so something happens along the line. So it's not only it's not only the culture, but when they get out of school, they're earning the same amount. Three years later, they're earning less. What what has happened? You know, what what is what is happening even today? I mean, you mentioned something that happened years ago, but these kinds of things are happening today. What do you think that's about? Well, I think, you know, I hear all the time from business leaders. We I talk with them. That we're preparing the workforce of tomorrow. Um, the, these young women that I meet every single day are just totally amazing. I didn't have the confidence in the voice that they have right now because of the educational level and the opportunities that they have. So I'm encouraged and excited about that. But what I, what I hear from a lot of the different executives in the various organizations that I talk to on a regular basis about you know, the future generation of women and how they attract talent to their organizations, especially in the STEM field, 
they, they're trying to be competitive. A lot of these corporations and organizations are actually doing career days as early as high school and having interns come in as early as high school to get the leg up on the competition and to cultivate those professionals for the future. However, what I'm also hearing from these same executives that they will invest in young women coming out of college into these, some of these significant roles and about, to your point, after five or six years, they are opting out of these um, organizations. And what's the challenge is, is a lot of the organizations haven't changed their culture to embrace the diversity in which they're looking to, um, to move forward. They, you know, um, I heard one of, one of the women say, you know, we talk about diversity uh, both from color and uh, gender, and um, we talk about it all the time, but when the person in the boardroom can name the number of women that are in the organization at the top level, then there isn't much diversity um, because they can name them on one hand. So we have a long way to go, and especially women of color have even a larger um, challenge ahead. So we have still a long way to go. Um, I think there is um, the desire, but there has to be a shift in the culture in order to support women um, because there is a whole caregiving process, whether you have children or not. Um, you also, a lot of people are caregiving for their parents now. I still, my mother uh, is still 88 and, you know, I have young, I have children that are in college, but I also have a mother who's 88 and I have a full-time career. And, and so that balance uh, is also a challenge. Yeah, it, there's absolutely no doubt that it that it is a challenge and it continues to still be a challenge. I I heard from a woman this week who said when she first started at a big company, uh, she started not too long after having a baby, and she said for the first two years nobody even knew that I had kids. And I said, well, you mean you just didn't tell anybody? She goes, I didn't tell anybody because if I told somebody, then they would think that everything that I was doing or wasn't doing was because of, well, she has to get home and see her kids or do whatever. And she's like, I just didn't want that to even be on the table. And, you know, it's unfortunate that that, and that happened a little while ago, but that it's unfortunate that that kind of, that, that, that has to be the way because it really shouldn't. And you mentioned culture and that's, you know, what, what needs to change. And one of the things that I see is that, you know, in some cases there you're taking women out of the work world to have women's conferences. But I think the Girl Scouts has it right because we have to get this confidence and we have to work on leadership skills and all the things that you mentioned while the girls are still young so that when they come into the work world, they, they can voice their opinions and they have um, more strength than maybe they had prior to joining an organization like the Girl Scouts. I mean, do you think that that's true? Absolutely. And there is a recent uh, study that came out of Harvard it's called Teen Girls and Leadership Biases, and it's called Leaning Out, and uh, it's, it's called the Making Caring Common Project, and it talks about the biases still exist um, in high school, and there was an entire study about looking at how um, girls and boys were both viewed in various um, leadership roles, and we have to start earlier from an educational standpoint to affect both the biases for both boys and girls as they look at uh, gender roles, and especially as both boys and girls evolve, right, and, and men and women evolve, because um, I think that there is an entire, you know, I think people keep thinking this is a zero-sum game. Um, as we support each other in a partnership and support all peoples, uh, we will all thrive better. So it's not one or the other. But we have a lot of work. If you read this, um, 
the study, we have a lot of work to um, do in building the confidence in the voice of young women and also challenging their own biases against other women in the success. Um, in the teenage years, girls are not um, known for being uh, supportive of each other all the time, as well as the, the biases that boys are more accomplished and are stronger leaders. And so it's an interesting report that these, these same reports are still coming out. Yeah, it really is interesting. I heard a speaker not too long ago, uh, the actor Gina Davis, and she was talking about uh, exactly what you were talking about in the study by Harvard. But her contention is that the roles that females have, even in cartoons, when, when the kids are really young and they're watching cartoons, the roles that women have are not the strong roles. They are the heroine or, you know, they, they are the damsel in distress and, and things like that, but they're not that strong leader. And her contention is that it needs to change at that very young age from the perspective of the media and the entertainment industry and all of that, that we've got to be able to change it then. So what we're seeing as we're growing up is women are very strong. Uh, but instead, we might be seeing a different picture, which may start to develop some of these biases that you're talking about. Right. And we talk about a lot in Girl Scouting. It's called camouflaging. That a lot of the girls want to just blend in and be just like every other girl. And they don't want to stand out. They kind of try to blend in and they don't want to be different. And they lose their identity oftentimes in high school just to fit in. And so we're really working hard on, on getting away from the camouflaging and helping them elevate their voice. And one of, one of the stories, I'm, I'm sure you've um, heard the most recent story about the young woman who's actually in, in our um, council, her name is Annie, Annie Rose, who um, wrote Hasbro about the Star Wars characters, mm, and that yep. there, there wasn't, you know, a female character. And, you know, those, we want to keep elevating those type of conversations. So um, we encourage through Girl Scouting that the girls take action when they see something that needs to be done, and that's part of the Gold Award process, which is our highest award that they work and they develop a take action project that they go out in the community and make a difference. So there's a lot of different ways that we um, as women and as adults and men too can help elevate all people, you know, so we can thrive together. Yeah. Now back to your camouflaging comment, I, I had not heard that it, it described that way, but that's that's exactly what happens in high school to girls when the you know the hormones start going and you start to get self conscious and you try to not stand out. And I think that it carries through for the rest of people's lives. I mean, is that what you're you're finding? So you're identifying this early because you don't want them to get lost in the crowd. Maybe they never come out of that. Right. Exactly. And that's why we really like um, what I, I think. Uh, the benefits of some of the programs we talked about, whether it's uh, through the special programs like Camp CEO, um, but we challenge um, all our adult leaders is to help them, you know, elevate their voice so they don't camouflage, and that that becomes, you know, as you exercise that that experience, you get stronger with that. You know, um, they can't be what they can't see, right? So when they see a woman that can speak up and articulate and make changes and take action, that inspires them that they can do the same thing. So role modeling from other women through our programs and through um, the different offerings we have is so critical for, for the success of Girl Scouts and these young women. 
Yeah, you can't be what you can't see, and that that's very true. And I think that's what happens in a lot of cases. I work in uh, a lot in the in consult in the financial services industry. There's not very many uh, female financial advisors because we we don't see a lot of female financial advisors, and so we don't look at that as our role model. We don't look at that as the career that we want, perhaps because we're not seeing others who have done it successfully before us. I think more now than than before, but not nearly as much as it as it should be for sure. Yes, very much yeah. so. Now, in your career, what would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken? I think, as you can see from my very past, I didn't have a straight arrow approach to my career. Um, um, I always, my brother knew he wanted to be a dentist, was a dentist, went straight to being a dentist. If you look at, I've had a variety of career opportunities, both in higher education, nonprofit, for-profit, large billion-dollar companies, small entrepreneurial environments. So each time... I think the transition was a risk and a stretch because it was so different from one career opportunity to the other one. But each one uh, developed my skills and approach to the world in, in a different way. So, you know, going from an entrepreneurial environment, going back to a nonprofit um, was a big change. And so each one has, has been a risk when I've changed careers because it wasn't a straight path for me. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I, I would say that that sounds about right with, you know, going from a big career in corporate America or, you know, entrepreneurial to nonprofit, I would say that that's, that's kind of risky. And, and a lot of us probably think about wanting to do something like that. And you had the gift from your father that kind of gave you that, um, hey, now's the time to do something like this. But boy, what, what a gift it's been to the girls that you work with and to the you know, adult leaders, I'm sure that you're working with, but what wonderful. Nancy, thank you so much for being a part of the Female Red Zone today. If somebody would like to get a hold of the Girl Scouts in Greater Chicago and Northwest Indiana, how would they reach you? Um, how would they reach your organization? You can go on our website or you can, you know, uh, call through social media. The easy way for me to connect with me is my direct line, which is 312-912-6301. Um, because I love inspiring young women. All of us um, can contribute to that process. You know, every day somebody asks me, what can we do to help young women, you know, in the future? And it's, you know, there's three easy things that every person can do. Um, They can have those honest, open conversations with young women and tell them the truth. You know, we've all had good days and bad days, and we've all had opportunities that we could improve on, and we've been successful, and we've all failed. You know, and we can also invest in the future of the girls by, you know, um, spending some time with them and, and helping them along the way. And, you know, I, we, we always talk here about, you know, Secretary um, Madeline Albright who says there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Mm-hmm. Um, we always talk as you lift, as you climb, you should lift, right? Lift the next person up. Um, so how do we help um, mentor and help the girls, you know? I've been very fortunate every single day I get what I call my girl fix. These young women are the hope and the future of this world. And they inspire me and they, I learn more from them um, every single day than I think I give them. So um, invest in the future because it's pretty bright when you see these young women. Well, that is absolutely great advice. And I, I am taking the advice to heart myself. And I really thank you, uh, Nancy, for being a part of the Female Red Zone today. And, and from the Female Red Zone, this is Mary Beth Kosmeski. 
Thanks for listening to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.